In episode 471 with Byron Katie, we talk about how to let go of fearful thoughts, guilt and expectations, how to believe your life into reality, how to be present, the keys to parenting with heart, and so much more. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, Open Wide, and Comparisonitis. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Hey, beautiful, and welcome back to the show. I am so excited about this episode because I have had Byron Katie on my dream guest list from the beginning. From 2017, when I started this podcast, she was on that list and now she is here, which I'm so excited about. And for those of you that have never heard of Byron Katie, I'll just give you a little bit of backstory on her. In 1986, she was at the bottom of a 10-year spiral into depression and self-loathing and she woke up one morning in a state of joy. She realized that when she believed her stressful thoughts, she suffered. But when she questioned them, she didn't suffer. And that is true for every single one of us. When we believe our stressful thoughts, we suffer. Now, her simple yet powerful process of self-inquiry, which she calls the work, consists of four questions and the turnaround, which we will share in this episode for you today. And this is a powerful way of experiencing the opposite of what you believe. She has been bringing the work to millions of people for more than 30 years. And she is also a best-selling author. Some of her books include Loving What Is, I Need Your Love, Is That True? A Thousand Names of Joy and A Mind at Home with Itself. You guys are going to love this conversation. She is such a honey and I'm so excited to share it with you. And for everything that we mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that's over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 471. Now let's bring on the incredible Byron Katie. Byron Katie, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you here. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? Oh, you know, I did not have breakfast. That's perfectly okay. (laughs) (laughs) I can tell you lunch. (laughs) Tell me lunch. Tell me lunch. It was just an incredible salad with some little beanie things that I had sprouted and yum. Mm, beautiful. Well, it sounds like you are very into your health if you're sprouting your own beans. Well, I've been doing it for years. I love to see things grow and I love things to grow in my kitchen. And it's magical to see them every time I walk to the sink in the window there with their little tails popping out. And it's just, you know, beautiful life in front of my eyes. Like, oh. Absolutely. Now, for those that have never heard of you, which I find wild, can you take us back to 1986 when you were on the bathroom floor with cockroaches at the bottom of a very 
full-on 10-year spiral of depression and self-loathing. How did you go from that to being a spiritual teacher? Well, it was word of mouth. What I saw on the floor is simply that when I believed my thoughts, I suffered. And when I questioned my thoughts, I didn't suffer. And I've come to see that this is true for everyone, that, you know, just, gosh, honey, just, I just saw it so clearly. And I saw how all suffering begins and ends. And so that is this work that I pass on to others. And it's, it's, it's work that, in your terms, it would be like to actually listen to that mean girl, that inner critic, and question what she has to say. Because she is a very insecure, lost little soul. Let's call her the ego. And to, to respectfully listen to this terrified mean girl and to identify, listen to what she's saying and identify what she's saying and write it down when she was doing her mean girl thing on some occasion in the past. and question her without pushing her. Just invite her to, just to open to, is what you're believing, is it true in that situation? And anyway, to get to know that mean girl, love is the power. And listening, experiencing you on YouTube today is just, it was just, I love what you're passing on to people and how powerful that is. And then uh, when you asked me the question, you know, I can respond with how I experienced that mean girl with compassion and that little lost one. You know, I see the ego as a terrified child, and that's what she is. She's ego-driven. And I see, I see the ego as a lost child and that just wants to be heard and wants to be listened to and to be brought to, to peace, basically, self-awareness. Mm, it's very easy to believe what the inner mean girl, the ego is saying. She's very convincing at times, <laughs> very convincing. Very quick, very, oh boy, she doesn't want to slow down long enough to be questioned or responsible. She's terrified. And, you know, the ego, let's refer to as the ego, the ego is is just fighting for its life. And ultimately, mean girl is just a, a state of mind. And that is the ego. Ego is just a word for mind. And mind that would, um, in this case, try to usurp the power of sanity, of everything you describe we are without Mean Girl. And that life of possibilities, unlimited possibilities. But Mean Girl, she, that inner critic, she will take that space. And she will find a way, no matter how we threaten her or try to addict her down or blame her down or judge her down. She wants to live. And I'd say that's the ego just fighting to be a physical body, an I, I am, I am this facade, and you are right and you are wrong. You know, this judge, this inner critic, this this meanie that is really in a struggle to exist. Mm, absolutely. And she will fight till the end to be heard and to have her say. 
Yeah. And I can see us on our bath going, you know, the ego, the mean girl going, I was right. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Having the last word. Exactly. She wants the last word. Yeah. So she's worth it. She's worth a little examination, self-examination. Uh, she's a, a powerful little pumpkin. That's very powerful for being literally nothing but a state of mind that goes against our heart and hers too. Mm, absolutely. I love that you say that there's no new stressful thoughts. Like most, all thoughts are universal because I think we can feel like I'm the only one that has this thought or I'm so alone, but that's really not the case, is it? No, that's what we have in common. We have mean girl in common fighting for, fighting for her life you know, fighting for existence, and that can never be. So it's a hopeless cause, and she doesn't give up, you know, till, let's just say, hypothetically, the last breath, which is the one we're breathing now. You know, this is always the last breath, just right here, right now. And is she having the last word? And I don't sense that in you or me. And so we have a little breather. Yes. So if someone can be aware or acknowledge that they have this inner mean girl thought right now, what is the next steps? Like you have these four powerful questions. Can you share those four powerful questions with us? Let's say the mean girl on one of the YouTube things, she was, mean girl was saying something about before you were about to enter the stage and and what was it? You can't do it. Are you going to trip and fall in front of all these people? And so the first question, and you can't do it when you're ready to go on stage. So it's homework because Mean Girl is, you know, she's going to hold that and it affects us. And let's say it didn't affect you because you were awake to Mean Girl and you just went out there, you didn't trip and fall. And even if you had, Without Mean Girl, that's okay, too. You just pick yourself up and continue. But let's say she says, you can't do this. You're going to trip and fall. And so the first question is, is it true? And so you can't do it before you go on stage. There's no time. But you can go back and write down, you know, take from your head what Mean Girl said. You can't do it. You're going to trip and fall. And then you just mindfully get still. The work of nothing else is it's an opportunity to get still and go back to mean girl in in your language and sit with her and be back there just before you walked on stage. You're going to trip and fall. Okay. So mean girl says, I'm going to trip and fall. Okay. In that situation, is it true? I'm going to trip and fall. Can I absolutely know that it's true? I'm going to trip and fall. Mean girl says so, and I'm not going to shut her down. I'm going to, like I had to then, but I'm going to give her that time now. Can I absolutely know I'm going to trip and fall as I walk out on stage? Now, I'm not going to get the answer. I'm not going to see where I did not trip and fall. I'm going to stay right there behind the curtain before I walked out because that's where the, the event took place. And then notice how I react when I think the thought, I'm going to trip and fall. How I react when I give any credence to Mean Girl. 
So how do I react when I believe the thought I'm going to trip and fall on my way out on the stage? First, I see an image of me walking out on stage, tripping and falling. You know, the image, I can't do anything about it. That is, that's an image in my head backing up Mean Girl. And I see that fall as I'm standing there before I hit the stage. How do I react when I believe they thought I'm going to trip and fall? I feel a little apprehension, maybe. I just notice I'm not going to listen to her. I'm going to be my true self and walk out. And how do I react when I believe the thought? A little bit of fear, maybe. Apprehensive. Second-guessing myself. I can see it visually. And I see maybe that's all that happened as I think of that time. It was not a huge big deal. We know Mean Girl. She doesn't always affect us to the point where we're paralyzed and can't go on or actually trip and fall on our way out of the microphone. So asking, is it true, is is a powerful first question in any situation where that ego comes up, you know. Is it true that I'll never get out of debt? Is it true that I'll never meet my soulmate? Is it true that I'll never heal from X, Y, or Z? Is it true that I'm going to fail if I launch this business? Most of the times, no, it's not true. It's not true. You don't have hardcore evidence. And so much of the time, we can't know if it's true or not. So there's still a powerful effect from Mean Girl here, a powerful effect. And it is an apprehension. It's fear. It holds us back. It affects our, our days and nights, our time with our children. Our, you know, it's a worry. And uh, when I look at how I react when I believe the thought that, um, for example, I, I can't, what was one of those? They were all delicious. I will never meet my soulmate. I'll never meet my soulmate. And how do I react when I believe the thought I'll never meet my soulmate? I meet someone I'm very attracted to, and I become very suspicious when I believe I'll never meet my soulmate. And he could be my soulmate, but I'm already very suspicious. I mean, when we meditate in I'll never meet my soulmate, it can be in front of us, and we'd miss it when we're believing that thought. And then the last question is... um, who would I be without the thought? Just imagine your life without the thought, I will never meet my soulmate. You know, our soulmate, it, this just opens it. Maybe it's not soulmate as I imagine the soulmate to be. Maybe it's everyone. Maybe it's not one particular like partner I was looking for. And so I find a, a kind of world, you know, who would I be without the thought, I'll never meet my soulmate just musing in that, just self-inquiry, sitting in that. I'll never meet my soulmate. I will meet my soulmate. That's a, a way of, of turning around on following question in it. So I will meet my soulmate. And then what does that mean? I'm not going to just believe I will meet my soulmate, like a positive affirmation, even though that can be helpful. It's not going to convince Mean Girl. (laughs) You know, I will meet my soulmate. She'll tear it to shreds. So I will meet my soulmate. Okay, I'm going to sit in that turnaround, that opposite. If I won't meet my soulmate, I will meet my soulmate. How could that possibly 
you know, what would be an example of that in my life? And to get still in that is just so powerful. You know, just walking through this with you, I just met my soulmate. You know, it was myself just sitting in in self-inquiry. My soulmate, mean girl, will just tear to shreds. It's our perfect roommate. We marry, and all of a sudden, it's like, who is this guy I thought was my soulmate? Oh, my holy hell, I want out. So I will meet my soulmate. Okay, I just met myself just sitting here with you. My soulmate, my soulmate, closer than close. And I will meet my soulmate. Maybe it is every person I think about, whether I am with that person or not. Maybe that's the mate. Maybe everyone I think of or meet, maybe they are a mate to my soul. And then eventually, you know, we, we kind of open to that. And what I love about self-inquiry is um, these four questions and turnarounds. What I love about self-inquiry is, is uh, or just the question, is it true? You know, just self-inquiry. What I love about it is we begin to love ourselves. And when we love ourselves and understand our true nature, Mean Girl loses her power. In fact, the wisdom that we're in touch with, Mean Girl begins to trust and stops competing with and finds a home in our heart. And that's all Mean Girl is looking for, just love, understanding. So to argue Mean Girl down is, is oh boy, that's, that she just gains power, just fear. Your work, which is called The Work, and these four questions and the turnarounds are so powerful. I absolutely love them. And I just want to reiterate these four questions again. The first one is, is it true? Yes or no? Very simple. Yes or no? No, but. Yes, but. Just yes or no. Yeah, or yes, because. (laughs) No, it's just, it takes a quietness, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then the second question, can you absolutely know that it's true, again, yes or no? And the third question, how do you react? What happens when you believe that thought? And just to meditate in that, in that time and place, just to meditate in that, get still and witness. We're looking at cause and effect, believing, and then the effect of that is suffering. Absolutely. And then the fourth question, who would you be without that thought? It's powerful, really powerful. It is. And in that situation, for example, standing on stage, you know, I'm going to trip and fall. Who would I be without the thought and just to get still and just see? You know, I can see tripping and falling and the entire audience just compassionate, understanding, connected, loving. You know, if I trip and fall, it's the best of time. If I don't trip and fall, it's the best of times. I'm reflecting back on times in my life where I've gone through a really challenging time. I had depression and anxiety and was dealing with panic attacks and an eating disorder in my early 20s. And I very much believed my thoughts and it was causing me a lot of internal turmoil a lot of suffering. And now that I have a daughter who you just met before we started recording, 
I think about would I want her to believe her thoughts or believe her in a mean girl? And no, I want her to tune into her heart. I want her to let her heart be her guide, let her heart be her compass. And the way that I can teach her about that is by me being the example and me being the embodiment of that. That's it, just living everything you want for her to live yourself. And that example is the greatest teacher. And we can't stop our children from believing their thoughts. So love is the power, and that's what we've got. Absolutely. Those of us fortunate enough to set authentic examples that serve our children. Mm. Let's talk about parenting. A common thing I hear from my audience is about mama guilt or parent guilt. How do I let go of the guilt with parenting? Because it's taking me out of the present moment. How can I let go of that? One lady said to me, I just constantly feel bad all the time. Like I'm not doing enough as a mother. Like I'm stuffing up all of the time. How can we look at that guilt and let that go? Well, I look at the place where I messed up what I said, what I did. And I see at the time I had every reason to. I was being a good parent. I had every reason to say what I said and do what I did. And and then doesn't every parent, you know, we have to parent, we have to protect them, you know, and this this ego, you know, justifier. So that's stressful. Defense is always stressful. And so I would identify on the work.com, there is a judge and neighbor worksheet. There are six questions on it. And I go back to that experience where I was saying the thing and doing the thing with my child that I feel guilty about now. And I would anchor in that time and place and identify what I was thinking and believing in that time and place with my child and answer the six questions on that worksheet. And then I would question them using those four questions and turn around it. It is an exercise in stillness. It's pure meditation with what you were thinking and believing and up against this self-inquiry, those four questions and turnarounds. And then we start over and we get the next lesson in earth school. And, you know, I raised three children and, you know, parented three children to the best of my ability. And, And so much of it was in a state of depression and panic and actually years of agoraphobia. And so I had a lot to go back and look at and question. And then those turnarounds, you know, they're living turnarounds. Like my daughter talked back to me. I had a right to straighten her out. So my daughter talked back to me. And how do I react when I believe the thought? I punish. My attitude change. I become like mean parent, strict parent, on whatever that is that we see in ourselves. And I just, you know, meditate in that. And I see how I treated her, how I reacted. And she talked back to me, turned around. I talked back to her. So now I meditate in that as well as the four questions I talked back to her. Well, I'm the parent, the mean girl says. (laughs) But I think, you know, thank you for sharing. And now I'm going to get still again. I talk back to her. 
What does that mean? So I'm anchored in that situation with my daughter, with my child in that situation. And I can see when I get still and the defenses drop, I wouldn't even let her complete a sentence. She was trying to tell me where she came from. I interrupted. I punished. So now I owe amends. I need to make that right. So the living turnaround, you know, I talk back to her. So how do I live that turnaround? How do I make it right? Anytime I interrupt her, I need to listen. And when I hear her and there's space, then there's room for what I hear and how can I help? How can I help? Because we're only, we're really trying to raise them and we don't know another way other than to be a little rough and unfair on occasion. And then we do feel guilt. But what was the cause of my guilt? Was it what she did or is it what I said and did? Well, the cause of my guilt is always what I said and did. And it doesn't mean my daughter was right. She could be a thousand percent wrong. And I only did this one little thing. Well, that one little thing is the cause of my suffering in that situation. It can never be my daughter. And again, it doesn't mean she didn't say what she said. It doesn't mean she wasn't rude. My part. Now, that's, I, that is how I lived as an example. I lived the, the turnarounds on those one through six. I questioned them, turned them around, and it shifted everything. It shifted me, and then my children shift or not. And as it turns out, oh boy, did we all shift. The power of one. It starts with us. Relationships are such fundamental parts of our life. And we can enter a lot of relationships with this long list of expectations. How do we be in relationships without the expectations? By taking those expectations on, what we expect from others, taking them on and living them ourselves. And then we find out that, you know, how could anyone live up to those expectations? If I can't do it, how can I expect others to? So that's my, that's my life's work, is to um, live on a life of what I expect others to live. And it's such a full-time job, I just stop expecting that of others. And it's a life's work. Absolutely. But it's a, a joy. It's life without guilt. And also, you're speaking of eating disorder, is the cause. Guilt is like the fertile feeding ground for ego, for bad girl. I love that. And the end of guilt is the end of that inner critic. And anything I say and do that goes against my heart, that's my life's work. Not to change others. This is my earth school. I take advantage of it. You say that you believed your life into reality. How can we believe our life into reality? How did you do that? Well, you know, actually, at some point, as a little child, I didn't believe anything. I was born from my mother's womb. I was not an I. I had no thought about who I was. I didn't even know she was my mother. I just came out of her belly, a clean slate. And so that's no identification, just a clean slate. And maybe my mother said, it's a tree. And it meant nothing to me. And then my one of my siblings maybe said, oh, look at the tree. It meant nothing to me. 
And maybe I heard somewhere on the radio or somewhere the kids playing, I don't know, but they say, oh, look at the tree, look at the tree. And at some moment, I believe, and in that moment is the first tree I ever see. So there I am born. Maybe I'm three years old, maybe I'm five years old, maybe, you know, whatever that is. And that's where I'm born. I'm identified. I am the one that sees the tree. I am. I am. And my mother says, Byron, Kathleen, stop that. And I look around and it looks like she's talking to me. So who am I? Byron, Kathleen. So it's this attachment that the ego starts building on. And so I believed me in, and inquiry takes me out. And it doesn't stop me from talking. It doesn't stop me from... I am so into the gift of life. It's quite a trip, but the ego would would own the experience. And inquiry can bring us home again. You know, and, and I can see today, this may sound odd, but, you know, I can say, oh my gosh, the, the trees this time of year are just so incredible. But there's a thing running in me that, that is um, beyond definition. It's a, it's a great gift to be here and not be here, to be free. Free from the shackles of the inner mean girl. Free from the illusion of, of there's anything but beauty and love in this beautiful life. It's without opposite. And that's not something that mean girl wants us to be aware of because she loses her life in that, meaning it becomes an egoless world. Beauty beyond opposite. Non-duality. There's not me and my ego is one by nature. You know, my mother called me Byron Kathleen, but the only, you know, that wasn't me until I believed it. And then inquiry eventually, in some beautiful way, leaves us nameless because it ceases to be necessary. And here in Earth... And there's no harm. And if you ask me, what is my name? Byron Kathleen. <laughs> no harm. It's just don't ask me if it's true. <laughs> well, some would say, but yes, it is true. And I'd say, well, you know, that's what my birth certificate says too. And when were you born? <laughs> I'm not here to teach. That's for sure. I'm here to learn. That's the beautiful thing about self-inquiry. There's no teaching to it other than the power of one sitting in one's self and listening to the wisdom that meets these questions. Is it true, for example? For a lot of people, sitting in stillness and meditating can feel very confronting, almost scary, which is just their inner mean girl talking to them, trying to stop them from sitting and going within and doing that self-inquiry work. So it's imperative that we do sit. We do go within. You know, it is. And I don't do war with mean girl. You know, I just say, honey, you know, I hear you don't want to do this. And, 
and I'll hear you later, but now I need to get still and sit in this self-inquiry. It's like, I'll get back to you later, I promise. You know, the way I say it is I have all these children saying, me, me, take me next, take me next. I went, I, da, 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 yeah, but da, 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 da. And it's just, you know, all these mean girls. <laughs> and so on that Judge and Neighbor worksheet, they get a chance to speak. And I let one of them speak for one situation and everything she, she was thinking and so sure of is moved from her to paper in those six questions. And then when I'm sitting with, I'm going to trip and fall, is it true? Mean girl goes, yes, yes, it is. You could trip and fall. And he says, okay, sweetheart, you know, I'll, I'll get back. You know, I'll get back. I'll listen to you later. Right now, you've had a trans- chance to talk. You're on the worksheet here. And then um, I just continue to sit. And she's fully heard in that situation once I have listened to her quietly and filled answered those six questions on the worksheet. Now, other mean girls will say, yeah, but, but what about the dun 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 And they'll give another time and situation. And it doesn't matter how many children are screaming for attention, how many mean girls. Just like, okay, everyone, you know, I'll get back to you. I'm working with this one now. And eventually they come to trust and they get still because I'm honest to my word. And, and I do. And they get quiet. Giving them the stage to express and get everything out is very beneficial to the process. And I know for me, getting that pen and paper and giving them that opportunity to vent has been very transformational for me. And I love what you said at the very start of this is thinking of the inner mean girl or the inner bad boy for all the men listening to have compassion and to think of them like a scared little lost child. Yeah, because they are. Yeah, mean boy, mean girl, they are. They're terrified or they wouldn't be trying to save us. You know, they're always trying to save the physical body because when the body dies, they have no home. They have nothing to illusion onto. Yep, I love this. I love giving them the stage for a moment, giving them the mic for a moment so you can get it out. So they feel seen and heard. Yeah, it's respectful. It's the opposite of war because you can't shut them up. Does yours still pop up now? And if so, what is something that she said recently? Oh, I got up this morning and we have hummingbird feeders. And Stephen fed the hummingbirds last night. And when I got up this morning... There was sugar on the floor, and I stepped in it, sugar. And then there was the liquid sugar, and I stepped in that. And it was really sticky, and I saw an image in my head of having to deal with it in my mind's eye. And if I didn't, I'd walk on the carpet, and then I'd have to clean the carpet, all this future as I just stood there in a split second, just noticing the sugar. on And so in that, I did all the cleanup and I did it happily until Stephen got up and came into the kitchen where I was cleaning everything up. And I just finished. And I said, honey, last night, 
And then I described what I found, and I had a tone about me. Yeah. And my words were kind, but I was talking like this. And when you put the sugar, and we're going to have to get rid of the hummingbird feeders if this continues, because I've just had an eye surgery. I can't see it. I have to step in it before it's there. And, you know... For heaven's sakes, we're we're going to be eighty this year, and this is just going to get worse. My mind says, but to answer your question, just toning and being gentle, but taking on that attitude, like talking down to him, like he's a child, and he is this this literate genius that I'm living with, and. <laughs> Me talking down to that is just ludicrous. So even that, you know, just that flavor of, it's like, ugh. And so as soon as I notice, it all shifts. But it's like this habitual what's left, what's left. So it's really a great find. And we had a better day today. We spent a lot of time together today. And and it was better than the way I started the morning. So what was the cause of my suffering? It wasn't the sugar on the floor. It wasn't the honey on the cabinet. You know, It wasn't that at all. It was the way I was toning this talking down to Stephen. That attitude, that attitude, you know, the subtle, he can't really blame me for that because he's the one at fault kind of attitude. So just noticing, noticing, noticing. War is war. It doesn't matter. It's just a trace where I'm just always looking for what's what's next, what's left. Respectfully. You know, I'm not trying to kill mean girl. It's just this just this ego finding a home in my heart. Because that's ultimately what the ego wants. Yes. It trusts wisdom if we love mean girl, mean boy. And the only way I know to love them is to understand them. Understanding is just another way of of expressing and speaking to love. Thank you for sharing that story with Stephen, because I can really resonate with that. There are times with my husband where there's a flavor of anger or frustration, and then I leave the situation And I ask myself, I do the self-inquiry and we often say this to each other, like, did that add any value? Did speaking down to each other in that moment add value to the world, to the home, to the life? And every single time, 100% of the time, the answer is no, it did not add any value to the world, to each other, to our home, to the energy in our home. And so I often ask myself that question, did the way I just spoke to the love of my life, to my beautiful husband, my soulmate, you know, and I do this to myself too, did that add any value to me? Did that add any value? And yeah, like I said, not uh, 100% of the time, it is a big no. Yeah, that's beautiful. You know, it's like a vote, do I want peace or not? And I just voted no when I talked down to him. And it matters. Since becoming a mother, my daughter that you met before, Bambi, she's around 15 months. 
I have noticed myself very much being in the future a lot more than usual. Like, okay, I've got to pack her lunch and then I've got to do this. Like a lot of future thinking and not necessarily quote unquote bad, like more just like, okay, I've got to do this for her and then I've got to do that. Okay. And then I've got to do this. So there's a lot of future thinking. And then that kind of feeds over into other areas of my life. And to be honest, it has caused me a lot of suffering at times being in the future so much. As mothers, do you have any advice, tips or anything on how we can be more in the moment and not so much future tripping when it comes to running the house and parenting and with our children? You know, for me to identify what I'm thinking and believing about my children and moving that from my mind to paper and then questioning those thoughts and trying on those turnarounds, that's my way. And it allows me to live authentically, spontaneously, without, it's just like some kind of miracle, living, like, loving my life, loving my surroundings, you know, being connected to the world, fearless. It's a, a fearless state of mind. So, you know, what do I, what do, I do? You know, it's, it's a worksheet for me. Parenting, the short version for me, if I have any success with my children, it's one word, listening. Listening to them or listening to your heart? Listening to them, listening. And Bambi's not quite old enough. You, you can listen to what she's saying, her sounds. There's so much you understand and what she wants. So you have a communication going. But to listen. And I understand that my children are my teachers. It's not the other way around. That my children are here to enlighten me, to parent me, not the other way around. I've got full goosebumps, full goosebumps. We grow with our children too. They are our teachers. And even just, I have grown so much since she has been Earthside. Oh my goodness. And I'm constantly reminding myself that I am growing with her. Like as she grows as in age and height, I'm growing and I'm expanding with her. And I think as soon as we stop learning and growing and evolving, that's when we're going to come up with a lot of inner turmoil if we don't grow with our children. Yeah. And I don't see with the, um, as we talk, sweetheart, that you're ever going to stop growing. You have the most beautiful open mind. You, You have a gift. It will give you an ageless life. It will give you a happy, ageless, wealthy, secure life. And wealth to me is nothing more than a state of mind. Just the self-knowledge, knowledge, reality that we always have. Not only what we need to be happy, but more than we need to be happy. And anyone that just sits and gets still can easily become aware of that. It's so obvious. This morning in my meditation, after I sat and got still and I was meditating for about 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and then I whipped out my journal 
And my mean girl had a lot to say this morning. She she had a lot to say. Yeah, that mean girl, she's got a lot to say. Oh, I just love her so much. She is just adorable. And if you imagine her at, a, at being about three years old, where <laughs> just about three or four years old, just so bossy and knowing, you know, just just reduce mean girl down to a child, you fall absolutely, in love with her. Absolutely, absolutely. It's so true. What is your definition of success? What does success mean and look like for you? Because I feel everyone has a different flavor of that. What is your definition and what do you attribute your success to? The absence of suffering is the ultimate success in my earth school. The absence of suffering and to understand the cause of suffering and not only how to deal with it, but to deal with it. And that is this uh, silent self-inquiry that we've discussed together here. And, and the other question was? What do you attribute your success to? Open-mindedness. That's key. And knowing that it's a friendly universe and testing it. Mean Girl will argue like an expert, that it is not a friendly universe. So it's it's my job to listen and put her thoughts on paper and question them, turn them around. It's, you know, it, those are just tests. And um, yeah, the end of war, peace of mind. And, you know, if I'm left with anything, it's gratitude and how can I help? Gratitude is huge. What's bringing you the most joy in your life right now? The absence of suffering. You know, I've just said earlier, I've just had an eye surgery and it can be painful as, you know, with too much stress on it and as it's healing. And to me, that's not suffering. You know, the cause of all suffering is any given moment when I look at what I'm thinking and believing, there's the cause of suffering. If I don't know how to identify it, question it then, you know, that's suffering to me. Physical pain, even physical pain, it's um, either remembered or anticipated. Absolutely. Let's pretend you have a magic wand now and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every high school around the world. Now, let's pretend that your books are already in the curriculum because they absolutely should be essential reading. They're incredible. What is one other book that you would choose to put in the curriculum? The book of you, meaning any reader that picked it up. So anytime we fill in a worksheet, that is the book of oneself. What we're thinking and believing is our identity. It's false. As long as we believe our thoughts, then we believe that, you know, for example, I am that. Thinking is all about a construct of of self. It's not I. What is one thing that we can do for more health in our life? If someone is really struggling with their health right now, what's one thing that they can do? I find, you know, I can only give my own experience, but the work, self-inquiry, has, without suffering, there's no contest in our choices. It's just so clear. So we don't have to decide. 
we already know, but there's no um, mean girl to argue us out of it. Like, I want the chocolate, I want the this or the, the, the drink or the whatever. It's just, I don't want the salad, I want ice cream. Okay, it just, if, if you have an argument with someone, you're upset, for example, what happens on the other side of it is guilt. And that is mean girl's food. And she will take you to, if you said you'd never eat chocolate cake again, she'll take you to that chocolate cake. And it's, um, it's where she has power. So clear mind, clear choices. Peaceful mind at home in oneself. Our choices just make sense. It's where we're sane. Sanity doesn't suffer. What's one thing that we can do for more abundance, more wealth, more abundance in all areas of our life? To appreciate what we do have and to understand it's enough. You know, if, if I am starving to death and know it, and there is no food and no hope for food, the only suffering I'm going to experience is what I'm thinking and believing. Even physical pain, I said earlier, is um, either remembered or anticipated in even in the moment by moment by moment we're feeling it. And the ego says it's never going to end. The ego says I can't stand it. The ego says this isn't fair. All of that we can put up to inquiry ahead of. It's like the work is preventive medicine. So we can lose our fortunes or lose our health. We can lose the people we love. But when we are of sound mind, we can see that this world is working for us. It is Earth School is the symbol I use. And, and the heart rules here. That's by nature who and what we are. A word for that is love. So anything that would argue against that state of mind in my world is open to inquiry. The heart rules. I love that. Yeah, the heart rules. We don't have to like it. And the, the, the litmus test for that is anything you think, say, or do that goes against the heart, love, goes against your heart, feels like stress. And stress is like the temple bell ringing that says, you know, take a look at what you're thinking and believing. That's the cause of your suffering. Identify it, question it, and um, write it down and question it. Mm. That's beautiful. Speaking of love, what's one thing that we can do for more love in our life? Question anything that is not that. Identify and question anything that is not that. Absolutely. Because love is immovable. It doesn't move. It doesn't grow. It doesn't get small or larger or anything. It is what we're thinking and believing against that, that is not that, you know, again, mean girl mind, mean boy mind. You know, there's no peace for mean girl, mean boy until we meet her with understanding as a parent. An understanding parent, no matter what the ego says or does, 
to just give it time to talk and respectfully move that talk to paper and question it. And with that kind of attention and connection, eventually, you know, not only is there no opposite to love, you're caught up with it. By nature, you already are. Absolutely. There's nothing other than that. Ego is an illusion. Mm -hmm. It's easy to be persuaded otherwise, but that is the ultimate truth. Yeah, and and it's for everyone to test because it's not even enough. Uh, it wouldn't be enough for me just to to say I know it's the truth. I can't even say that because I'm I don't know the future. So far, so good. Yes, they have to have an experience of it themselves to really grasp that that is the truth. And I don't know what's left for me in art school, but I'm I'm here. I'm in. I'm all in. We may as well play all in. (laughs) Yeah, all in. You know, it's like, um, and it's good to catch up with that because like it or not, here we are. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So to understand our purpose here. Mm, Absolutely. This has been so beautiful. Is there anything else that you want to share? The end of war is possible. The end of war with the self is possible. The end of the war with oneself is the end of the war with everyone and everything. Absolutely. Let that land. The end of war is possible and it starts with us, within ourselves. That's really beautiful. You know, no two people live in the same world. No. The world and the people in it, for example, you are who I believe you to be. If I'm not connected, that's on me, not you. Because what I'm thinking and believing about you that would allow me to see you as anything less than beautiful, that's on me. So to love the world is is my job. And I love me when I love the world. Mm. And I love the world when I love me. It goes both ways. You are helping so many people with your work. You are such a beautiful example. You're serving so many people. And I want to know how I and the listeners can give back to you. How can we serve you today? Oh, you know, to be happy. Two words. Be happy. Thank you. This has been so beautiful. Oh, thank you, honey. Thank you for your... For your life, we're all better off because of it. Mm, thank you. I feel the same about you, reflecting that right back to you. I adore your work. It has helped me so much. I picked up your book many years ago, maybe 10 years ago when I was first on my journey, and I'm so grateful. So thank you. Thank you for sharing today. Was it Loving What Is? Yes, Yeah, there's a new edition that's just come out. Beautiful. And we'll link to all of your incredible books in the show notes. Byron Katie, this has been such a pleasure. You are divine. Thank you. You're such a delight. Thank you. I feel so inspired to question all of my inner mean girl thoughts when they pop up. And to also give her the microphone to just let it rip when she needs to, like I did this morning. 
I want to encourage you guys to do the same. Every morning or whenever it pops up for you, get out a pen and paper, let your inner critic have the mic for a moment and then choose not to believe those thoughts and go through those four questions. Ask yourself, is it true? Go through the four questions and the turnaround and check out her work. I am so inspired after this conversation. And if you are too, please subscribe to the show and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps so much. And if you have ever got anything out of any of my episodes, please be a honey and go and leave me a rating and review right now. I would be so grateful. And it also means then that we can inspire and educate even more people together because the show can get out to even more ears. And it also means that all of my episodes will just pop up in your feed so that you don't have to go searching for a new episode. Now, come and follow me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me what you got from this episode. I absolutely love connecting with you and hearing from you guys. So please come on over there and connect with me. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest and the happiest version of yourself and for showing up today for you. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, my darling, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.